there's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Saturday, June 20th, 2020. On this day in 2019, 42-year-old Marion Wilson Jr. was executed by lethal injection. He was the 1500th person to be executed in the United States since the return of the death penalty in 1976. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the death of Marion Wilson, Jr., the 1500th person to be executed in the modern era of America's death penalty. Let's go back to Georgia Diagnostic and Classification Prison on the morning of June 20th, 2019. Marion Wilson Jr. awoke in his cell on death row, as he had done every morning for the past 22 years. But he didn't belong there. At least that's what he claimed. From the day in 1996 when Wilson was arrested in connection with the murder of Donovan Parks, he denied that he'd been the one to take Parks' life. However, there was no denying that Wilson had made some very poor decisions. For example, he'd chosen to join the local Folk Nation gang, a decision which led to him sitting in the back seat of Parks' car while his fellow gang member Robert Butts rode shotgun. None of those facts were in question. It was what happened next that Wilson would contest until his dying day. By Wilson's account, Butts was the one who ordered Parks to step out of his own car. Butts was the one who forced Parks to lie face down on the road. And Butts was the one who pulled out a sawed-off shotgun and fired it into the back of Parks' skull. Unfortunately for Wilson, the court saw things differently. During his trial, the prosecution argued that it was Wilson, not Butts, who pulled the trigger. In the end, both Wilson and Butts were found guilty of murder and sentenced to die. Butts had been executed the year before. Now Wilson's time had come. And yet his counsel refused to give up the fight, determined to advocate for their client until the bitter end. The week before Wilson was slated to be executed, his legal team appealed to the State Board of Pardons and Paroles, the only authority in Georgia with the power to commute a death sentence. The board met to consider clemency for Wilson, but ultimately denied the request around 9 a.m. on Thursday, June 20th. As the hours until Wilson's execution ticked away, his lawyers escalated the case to the courts, petitioning for his death sentence to be commuted to life without parole. Meanwhile, in prison, Wilson continued operating under the assumption that the day would be his last. 
During the visiting hours of 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., Wilson was visited by no less than 14 people, family, friends, clergy members, and one of his attorneys. After Wilson bid farewell to his last visitor, he received some bad news. County Superior Court judges had rejected his lawyer's request to spare his life, and the state Supreme Court let the lower court's decision stand. His fate now rested with the highest court in the land, the United States Supreme Court. If they did not intercede on his behalf, he would be promptly executed. At 4 p.m., he was served his final meal, a feast consisting of a thin crust pizza with everything on it, 20 spicy buffalo wings, a pint of butter pecan ice cream, apple pie, and grape juice. Wilson only ate about half of it. With his life hanging in the balance, he couldn't summon much of an appetite. By this point, there were only a few hours left before 7 p.m., the hour when the state would put Wilson to death. At 6 p.m., Wilson accepted an offer of Ativan, a sedative to settle his nerves. Eventually, the fateful hour arrived. And then it passed. The prison could not go forward with the execution until they received word from the Supreme Court. As the hour drew later, Marion Wilson waited to hear whether his life would be spared. In the meantime, he was transported to what the prison referred to as the Death House, a small, isolated structure where the state of Georgia carries out executions. Finally, around 9 p.m., word came down from on high. The Supreme Court released a brief statement rejecting the request to block the execution. With that, Marion Wilson Jr.'s destiny was sealed. As part of his last statement, Wilson said, I ain't never took a life in my life. Then addressing his supporters in the gallery, he said, I love y'all forever. Death can't stop it. Can't nothing stop it. Around 9.40 p.m., Wilson received a fatal injection of pentobarbital, a powerful sedative that slows the activity of the brain and nervous system. In his final moments, Wilson smiled, looking out at a woman sitting in the viewing area. Reportedly, his last words were, about to be free. The warden pronounced Marion Wilson Jr. dead at 9.52 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Outside the prison, a group of protesters held a banner reading, 1,500 executions and counting. Abolish the death penalty. Coming up, the debate around the capital punishment in the United States. Now, back to the story. On June 20, 2019, 42-year-old Marion Wilson Jr. was executed by lethal injection. His death marked a grim milestone. He was the 1500th person to receive capital punishment after the Supreme Court reinstated the death penalty in 1976. Capital punishment has a long history in the United States. The first recorded execution in the American colonies occurred in 1608, before the country was even formally founded. Since then, 
Laws around capital punishment have evolved alongside the country's shifting views on criminal justice. Throughout the 20th century, support for the death penalty gradually decreased, leading to an all-time low in 1966, when a Gallup poll found that only 42% of Americans were in favor of capital punishment. Six years later, in 1972, the Supreme Court temporarily put a halt to all executions nationwide. Their ruling in Furman v. Georgia found that the state's death penalty was unconstitutional because it was arbitrarily and capriciously applied. The death penalty was down, but not out for the count. It seemed the American people still had an appetite for capital punishment as long as it could be administered fairly. In order to fall in line with the high court's ruling, Georgia led the charge in reforming their laws to standardize the process through which death sentences were handed down. Across the country, other states soon followed suit. The era of the modern death penalty began in 1976, when the Supreme Court gave a new ruling on the question of capital punishment. This time, the justices reinstated the death penalty under a model of guided discretion. Executions resumed the next year and have continued ever since. However, there are still serious concerns about whether the death sentence is truly meted out fairly in America. Robert Dunham, executive director of the Death Penalty Information Center, said 2019 came close to being the year of executing the innocent. Two prisoners were executed this year despite substantial doubts as to their guilt. Our courts and public officials too frequently flat out ignore potentially deadly mistakes and often take steps to obstruct the truth. Tragically, this appears to have been the case for Marion Wilson Jr. Several factors suggest a gross miscarriage of justice in his case. Like many who end up on death row, Wilson was represented at trial by lawyers who had no experience trying capital cases. His inexperienced counsel struggled to rebut the prosecutor's completely unsubstantiated claim that Wilson was the trigger man. His defense also failed to establish the pervasive abuse and neglect that Wilson faced his entire life. A juror from Wilson's trial later testified that the jury did not hear anything in detail about the circumstances of Wilson's upbringing. She also said that if she had heard this information at the sentencing trial, it would have made a big difference to her. In light of situations like this, where dishonest prosecutors or ineffective counsel can make the difference between life and death, it's understandable that America's desire for capital punishment has cooled as of late. In 2019, a Gallup poll found that 60% of respondents believed that life in prison without parole was a better approach for punishing murderers than the death penalty. And overall, the percentage of Americans in favor of the death penalty has fallen. In 2017, it was the lowest level recorded in 45 years. This trend also holds true in terms of death sentences delivered and actual executions carried out. 
The DPIC found in their 2019 report that after peaking in the 1990s, death sentences have declined by more than 85 percent and executions by more than 75 percent across the country. However, despite this shift in public opinion and state practice, the U.S. government announced in July of 2019 that it would resume executing federal death row inmates for the first time since 2003. Since the state of Georgia executed Marion Wilson Jr., 16 more Americans have been killed in the name of capital punishment. As of January 2020, there are 2,620 inmates on death row throughout the country. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more history on the justice system, check out the ParCast original, Not Guilty. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson.